You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Well, good morning. So good to be with you. I'd like to extend my warm welcome to you, particularly if you are new or, or new-ish. I don't know if there's a lot of dry ice here. I feel like there's a fog. I can almost see you. Um, the haze, the haze, but the haze is clearing, and the Lord is in this place. So, so good to be with you. As I said, if you're new or new-ish, a very, very warm welcome to you, and uh, we hope that you're able to, to feel at home among us here at CLM. And, and also, just want to offer my warm welcome and congrats to, uh, to Lookman and to Hannah for joining us here. We're so grateful that you would invest a year into ministry. We pray that God would do something incredible in your lives. You know, in my experience where people come and serve for a year, God does a lot more in them than they had anticipated. And it's an incredible formative space where God is at work uh, receiving that offering and making something incredible, laying foundations for what is ahead. I'm also thrilled to say that Lauren Blunt, who served last year as an intern, uh, is going to AOG's Bible College, Missio Day, and I think she's embarking on three years of, of theology and leadership. She also needs a placement church and is staying here and is going to be serving Fridays and Sundays. So you'll see her on Sundays. Yeah, why don't we give it up for Laurel? I don't know if she's here. So... Um, She'll be starting soon, and uh, so she'll also be in the mix, but in a bit of a different space to these guys. Well, over the summer, uh, we have been in a series called Heart After God, and we have been looking at the life of David, and we had planned originally for it to be six weeks finishing last week, but today we're going to do a bonus session. Because, uh, yeah, who's enjoyed the David series? It's been great, hasn't it? Um, I want to go back and just start again, personally. Um, I've just so enjoyed it. Um, But today, I want to speak about new seasons or the new season. And and I want to turn to the life of David because he was a master at navigating and negotiating new seasons. So so this is kind of bonus session, heart after God, week seven, uh, the new season. You know, all of us, we enter into new seasons, and, and we're aware today is a kind of back-to-school Sunday. Uh, there'll be many in the room whose lives are impacted either uh, for yourselves or for your kids because actually you're moving into a new academic year. And for many of us that function in that space, September can be a little bit like another January. It's kind of the new year starts afresh. Uh, I'm also aware that many people are, are, are joining us at this time here at CLM, and it's a new season for you. For others, will be recently moved to Coventry or changing job or something shifting. Or also, you might be in that space where actually the circumstances, the externals of life are consistent, but something is stirring in you. Something is shifting in you. I've been there many times where something new is happening in me. God is preparing me or doing a new work in me. The circumstances, that the, the externals of my life are consistent, but I know it's a new season. And so I want to speak into that. I want to say if you've missed any of the messages from the series, you can catch up with them on our YouTube channel or on our website if you go to the resources section. And uh, we've been looking at having a heart after God, uh, uh, overcoming your giants, uh, going after the presence of God, waiting on the Lord, finding strength in the Lord. Last Sunday, I spoke a message called Failure and Forgiveness, speaking about lessons from the episode of David and Bathsheba. I've been overwhelmed by the response we've had from that message. And if you're away, I'd encourage you to go and catch up with it. But today we're going to look at the new season. As you heard from Esther, we are entering into a new season as a church. 
By, by the time we get to Christmas, some things will have changed. We will, we will have moved into the next thing that we felt the Lord speaking over us. Who, who knows that the prophetic comes first and then it is actualized. And so we've been in this phase of saying we're in a season of multiplication, but it's a prophetic statement, but it's about to become reality. And so as a church, we're entering into something new. Life is full of new seasons. I remember uh, at the age of 11, we moved, my family moved city. And uh, I moved from the security of where I'd been uh, through all my primary school years. I'd moved when I was, uh, when I was one, uh, one year old, and I moved when I was four. I don't really remember that, but I definitely remember moving when I was 11. I remember leaving a very happy space, my primary school, got lots of mates, and I, but I know my family kind of, I remember sitting down at the dinner table and being told, we're moving. And I didn't really know what that meant, but then kind of the realization that I was going to leave behind everything that was familiar. And I can remember that season of getting a great send-off at my primary school. It was that kind of sweet season of, of kids. I remember every day after school, I played football with Damien Shakespeare, and we would just go, go and find a field and we'd kick a ball. I remember the last time, it was like the last supper. I remember the last time with, with Damien, the last time we were ever going to play three and you're in. And uh, I remember saying goodbye to my childhood sweetheart, uh, Jenny Stafford, who came over on the day that we moved house and we exchanged gifts. I was 11. Uh, and and I, also, I also remember uh, arriving in a new space and going to a new school. I was like an exhibit. I remember coming into the, the classroom with this sea of faces, uh, all who had their own friends already and didn't necessarily need another friend. Well, except for one guy who I was paired up with who I think didn't have any friends. And uh, so, uh, but I remember kind of being at the front, being told, this is Martin, the new boy, and everyone kind of looking at me, trying to work out whether they like me or not, just by my appearance. It's a horrible feeling uh, as an 11-year-old. I remember being sat by this guy, as I say, didn't seem to have any other friends. He, he invited me to join him that evening for Morris dancing. I don't know if anybody knows what Morris dancing is. It's, it's where, where grown men uh, have bells around their, their lower parts, their trousers, and, and they dance around, and they they kind of clash sticks and wave scarves to folk music. I desperately needed a new friend, but I, I want to tell you I was not stupid. And uh, I, I, I did not go to Morris dancing. I want to say to you, if you're a key Morris dancer, uh, we have prayer ministry at the end of the service, and uh, we will help you. No, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. But hey, it was a new season. Everything was new. Some of you remember new seasons. I remember when Esther and myself got married and came back from a simple honeymoon and I moved into our first little rental house, a little two up, two down, and it was, it was a new season for us, trying to navigate married life. I remember being dropped off at university by my parents. I'm sure for all of us in the room, we can cast our minds back to new seasons in our lives. But as I've said, I also know there were times when God has been doing something in me, drawing me deeper into his presence, challenging me to a new place of surrender, testing my heart moving me to a new dimension of prayer, a spiritual shift. Uh, one of the things that, that is amazing about the life of David, compared to many other Bible characters where we just see an assignment that they had, like, like Nehemiah or Jonah or Esther, we, we see David from being a boy right to, to dying uh, of, of years as an old man. And we see his journey and we see him tracking through the transitions 
of life. The media guys on this series have just created that little icon with the, the sling and the crown. And really that, that was David's journey from, from David and Goliath to ruling over Israel and establishing the kingdom. And he navigated his new seasons incredibly well. It's one thing we learn. You can read about them yourselves in 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, and the parallel accounts in 1 Chronicles. There are five principal places where David was in his seasons, and the first one is Bethlehem. It's where he was born. He was the son of Jesse of Bethlehem. He was number eight. Uh, I want to like he was forgotten out in the field, but God saw him. Now maybe you feel like you're number eight. I want to tell you, God sees you, like He saw David. And David's at Bethlehem, and, and he's out tending the sheep. And it was a season for him of developing a worshipper's heart, of learning to find God for himself. In fact, it was in that space in Bethlehem, in complete obscurity, that God Almighty, the, the eye of God, spotted him and picked him out and said, "I've found a man after my own heart." And obviously, there's a whole episode with David and Goliath, and, and David becomes famous, and Israel starts singing. You know, Saul has slain his thousands, David is tens of thousands, and Saul becomes jealous. There's a, there's a little time where it seems David is resident in Gibeah, where Saul was. But essentially, David, from Bethlehem, ends up going on the run. And he's trying to escape from the spear of Saul. He's trying to save his life. And he ends up at a place called Adullam. Now, the cave of Adullam, we'll, we'll mention... Uh, in just a few minutes, it was a, it was a time where others came to him. At a, now, they had to move around. They were on the run. They were trying to avoid Saul. So he wasn't at Adullam the whole time. But it's kind of a, a space where you would recognize that was the season where David was being hunted down like an animal. And then as we heard in the session that Jonathan led us in uh, recently about finding strength in the Lord from Adullam or around that space, he ends up, it's almost as if he gives up on the life of faith and says, one of these days I'm going to be killed. And he goes and lives among the Philistines, serves a guy called Akish in the place of Ziklag. And Ziklag is where he is. For, it's only sort of like 14 months, but it's a really pivotal season. And from Ziklag, uh, Saul ends up dying. He's the king. He falls on his own sword, uh, falls in battle. He's fatally wounded. Uh, and then there's some space in the land. And it says, in, the, in due course or, or in due time, David inquired of the Lord. And he said, should I go up from Ziklag to any of the towns in Judah, which was his tribe? And the Lord said to him, go up to Hebron. And that's the fourth place where David is. And he goes to Hebron. And at Hebron, the men of Judah come and they anoint him king over Judah. So he becomes the leader of the tribe of Judah. For seven and a half years, he rules as the king of Judah at Hebron. And then all of the other tribes, the other 11, they come to him as king of Judah at Hebron. And they say, we want you to be king over the whole nation. And 20 years on from a prophetic word, as Samuel pours over the, the oil on his head, it comes to pass. And he's anointed in Hebron as king over Israel and immediately relocates. They, they go to Jerusalem or Zion or the city of David, uh, as it's also called. And he establishes his base in Jerusalem. They kick the Jebusites out and they get in uh, and a palace is built. And David has in his heart uh, to build a temple. The ark comes. This is a message that, that Esther talked about bringing the presence of God in and the resident in Jerusalem. And that's the, the final stage. 20 years, the word of God sitting over David's life, but not yet coming to pass. I want to tell you, if you're holding on to a word from God, he's watching over his word. Or some of you, you, you you've got a, a prophetic word that hasn't yet come to pass. I want to tell you, God always watches over his word. He's mindful of his word. And there were times in David's life where it looked like it was impossible, but it, it came to pass. And I want to pick some things out, some lessons from these shifts 
of seasons. He, of course, is another king whose earthly journey was from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. It's incredible how the types appear in Scripture. You see God pointing towards what is coming. A king of kings. The one who is without parallel makes the same journey from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. But I, I want to draw out some lessons. Firstly, I, I want us to consider that, that new seasons call for new tools. New seasons call for new tools. What worked in the last season isn't necessarily what's going to be needed in the next season. And we have to be alert to that. We have to be aware of some things, that some things changing. And one thing you see when, when David makes this initial shift from Bethlehem to Adullam is he moves from the sling to the sword. It's what the Bible says um, in 1 Samuel 17, uh, verse 48 to 51, the, the story of David and Goliath. It says, as the Philistines, Goliath moved closer to attack him. David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sunk into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. He did it with a sling. It was Bethlehem season. We hear that, that he says, I, I've been out in the field. I've slain the lion. I've slain the bear. I've defended my father's uh, flocks with a sling. And of course, uh, he goes to Saul. They're at the battle lines with Goliath. And Saul says, well, you better put some armor on. And he gives him, he, he gives little David his own armor. Now, we know that when Saul was made king, he was a head and shoulders taller than everybody else. This is the biggest armor in the whole of Israel. And they try and put it on David David says, like, I can't go in that. You know, don't, don't let anybody try and put you in their armor. We have to, we have to, we have to understand that, that actually God is wanting to, to do something in us. That he's not looking for the sound of an echo. He's looking for the sound of a voice. And our private battles will prepare us for our public assignment. And so David's in this season of the sling, and he uses the sling, and he slays Goliath. But then the very next thing that, uh, that it says is, David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword, and, and he drew it from the sheath, and he killed him. He cut off, excuse me, it's a bit gruesome. He cut off his head with the sword. And then he moves to Adullam, uh, and, he's, and he's fleeing from Saul. Uh, and David, at one time, he, he goes to, to visit Ahimelech, the priest, he pretends to be on a mission from Saul, but actually he's on the run. And 1 Samuel 21, it says this. This is just before Adullam. It says, David asked Ahimelech, don't you have a spear or a sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because the king's mission was urgent. The priest replied, the sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, is here. It's wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. There's no sword here but that one. David says, there is none like it. Give it to me. And he, and he migrates, he progresses, he gets promoted from the sling to the sword. You see, David was a master with the sling. He was a master slingshot. He was brilliant with the sling, but God was preparing him to be a king over a nation. And kings don't go to war with a slingshot. And sometimes when we go into a new season, the tools that we have been used to, they have to shift and we have to be, be ready. You know, for us as a church, as we move to multi-site, some of the things that have worked well in the last season, they're, they're just no longer going to be fitting. We're going to have to rethink. We have to remodel. We have to do some things different. That actually some things can change, and we have to be alert to that. It's sometimes said that, that in parenting, there are three stages. The commander, the counselor, and the companion. The commander phase, when our kids are little, where it's like, get ready for bed, brush your teeth, say thank you. 
All parents love the commander stage. You just tell them what to do. And they'll do it. But then something happens where children are actually uh, becoming, over a protracted season of teenagers, they're becoming adults. And as parents, we have to learn to shift from commander to counselor. Now, young people in the room, you also have to be wise to, to, uh, to heed counsel from your parents. And the Bible says, honor your father and mother. But there's a season shift. And what worked in the previous season is no longer fitting in the new season. When you've got a young person in your house and they're 19, you tell them to brush their teeth. Look, it's like it, something's gone wrong. They should have learned to brush their own teeth by then. And yet what happens, sometimes there's breakdown in relationship because parents are remaining in the commander phase and their kids are 25. So we have to learn to shift with the seasons. Then if it goes well, you have companions. <laughs> Who knows what I'm talking about? The changing of season. The point is this. The tools in the last season may need changing or adapting. And as we enter new seasons, we, we have to ask ourselves, what needs to change? If something's changing, just to ask yourself today, does anything need to change? Now, not everything will need to change. You know, D David, one of the great things about David is he held on to his values of being a lover of God and a worshiper through every season. Don't throw everything out, but there might be some things that need to change. And we're, we're wise if we ask ourselves, and we're wise if we ask the Lord, does anything need to change in this season? Secondly, new seasons present new challenges. Who knows this is true? New seasons always present new challenges. We see it very powerfully in, in Adullam. You see, at the cave of Adullam, David's on the run, and he gets to the cave of Adullam, and then a load of people who are kind of disenfranchised with life, they rock up, and, and they become part of his group. This is what it says, 1 Samuel 22, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress, in debt, or discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. Well, who would like to lead that church? Like, well, all the congregants are either in distress, in debt, or, or, or what, what does it say? Or, or discontent, unhappy, fed up. And David becomes their pastor. He didn't ask for it, but he becomes their pastor. We know he becomes their pastor because they end up becoming his mighty men. They're ready to lay their lives down for him. So something must have happened. There are challenges. There are challenges for David in this season. There's, there's a challenge of staying alive. Saul's trying to kill him. That was his theme tune for, the, for, for that season of his life. Ha, 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 ha. It's like, that's, that's, he's just trying to, David's just trying to stay alive. That's, that's challenge number one, just to make it. They're hunting him down like a dog. Challenge number two is he's trying to, he's trying to pastor this discontented group of people and turn them into something. And thirdly, there's another challenge which is going on in his heart, which is the real challenge. It's the biggest challenge. Actually, he's trying to stay honorable to a dishonorable king. He's trying to honor the Lord in his attitude. Sometimes the, the seasons we're in, that it's all about our hearts. It's about what God is doing in us. But then when he moves to Ziklag, we, we see something different. 2 Samuel 27, when Akish asked him, where did you go raiding today? David would say, against the Negev of Judah or against the Negev 
of Jeremiel, or he ate the Negev of the Kenites. He did not leave a man or a woman alive to be brought to Gath, for he thought they might inform on us and say, this is what David did. And such was the practice as long as he lived in the Philistine territory. Now, please excuse me as I brush past the barbarism of this account, but we see that the pastoring season has shifted. He's now got an army on his hands. They're doing raiding parties. The challenges of, of yesterday have changed. It's not that he hasn't got any challenges now. Who knows, this always happens with a new season. You, you get through certain challenges, and it's, then it's not that the next season has no challenges, it just has different challenges. Hello? Yeah. The, who knows what I'm talking about? This is, the, this is the reality of life. When Esther and I, when we were first called to come to CLM, there were some immediate challenges for us as a church in that season. There were financial challenges. There were, there were staffing challenges, meaning that the church was growing rapidly. We didn't have a staff team. It was, it was difficult. There were administrative processes and systems to put in place for where we were and where we were headed that weren't there. And there were a number of such challenges. But when we got those in place, it wasn't that there weren't any challenges anymore. There were different challenges. You know, now as we look to move to multi-site, there are different challenges to the challenges we had in the last season, but there's still challenges. That's part of the excitement of life. It's, it's what makes the world go round. It's why life is exciting. Let me tell you, don't despise your challenges. They're what helps you to grow. It's what throws us onto the Lord. It's what gets us on our knees. If we didn't have any challenges, we probably wouldn't be very prayerful. You know, the challenge, God has his way of getting us on our knees. It's called challenges. And we cry out to God, oh God, would you help us? As someone once said, another man's grass may be greener, but it still needs mowing. And good leaders anticipate the shift in challenges and begin to prepare for them. But as I said, actually, David's, David's shift in the challenge of Adullam, of, of helping this group of, of disparate people to become an army. And, and then it shifts, and then it's, it's about battle, because God's preparing him in that season to, to lead a nation to war. But throughout Adullam and Ziklag, there's an internal challenge. There's a, there's a dying to self. There's a surrender. These are very important seasons for us where God does a work in our hearts that, that he pre he's preparing us for something more. But he makes a man or a woman out of God, uh, of, of God out of the furnace, out of refinement, out of trials, out of testing. And I don't know, some of you might be in a testing season now. You might be in a season of constriction where the Lord is hemming you in and you don't know what's going on. There's a promise over your life. There's something you've asked God for and it just feels at the moment like you're being broken. It's a season of preparation, an internal challenge. Will you keep your heart right in that season? Because if you'll die, then you can live. Amen. Resurrection only comes through death. You can't have a resurrection without a death. And if we want to step into the resurrection life of Christ, we have to be willing to die with Christ, which really means dying to ourselves in Christ. So we go through some of these seasons, different seasons present different challenges. Number three, new seasons bring new people. This is always the case. New people come into our orbit, come into our world in new seasons. You know, it's, it's a lovely thought that, that friendships are forever, but the reality is, and this, this is just speaking as things have to be, most friendships are seasonal. You can track with a, a small number of people through your life, but most friendships are seasonal. 
And people come in and out of our world at, at different times. And here we see with David as he makes the season shift from Ziklag to Hebron, one of the big things that happened was the people. It says that when he's in Ziklag, there were 600 men. Now, if there's 600 fighting men at Ziklag, I don't know how big the community is. That We, we know at Ziklag, the, the, the wives and the children got carried off. So there's wives and there's children. So I don't know, let, let's, let's say around 2,000. And the Bible tells us that at the end of 2 Samuel, well, 2 Samuel 24, when, when David counts the fighting men, said there were 500,000 fighting men in Judah. If there's 500,000 fighting men in Judah, then Judah's probably a community of 2 million people. So David goes from 2,000 to 2 million overnight from Ziklag to Hebron. That's, that's a thousand-fold shift. If you're leading a life group with 15 people, that's like tomorrow you've got 15,000. Who knows, that's a lot of people. That's some different challenges. New people are a part of the season shift that, that happens in our lives. God will bring different people into our world. I remember coming back from university where I'd had a, a certain group of friends and we, we went to different parts of, of the UK and, and the world and, and I was heading back to my home church in Nottingham. I remember taking stock just thinking, I, I can't keep in touch with everybody. I remember prioritizing people that I thought might be part of my future, people whose hearts were set on Almighty God, people that were trying to live for full surrender because I was looking at where I was headed and I want to be around people and stay in touch with people who are headed where I was headed. I want to say to you, choose your friends wisely. Can I say to the young people in the room, choose your friends wisely. Surround yourself with people that are headed where you want to be headed that have got the same values that you're trying to live up to, or they're at least trying to live up to the same values you're trying to live up to. But new seasons will always bring new people. As the Lord leads us to, to Coventry North, we will reach new people. We'll reach new people there that we wouldn't have reached if we hadn't gone. And here, as some space is created, as some people move and some of us go and we're part of that expression, there'll be some space here. We were at capacity uh, through the, the like, early part of the summer here, the earlier part of this year, in our two services. And, and we, we create some rooms and some new people will come. They'll come among us. New seasons will bring new people. This is the reality. And what we've got to ask ourselves is, who is the Lord bringing into your orbit if you're entering into a new season? And what is He bringing them into your world for? Has the Lord connected you to a brother or a sister to in, encourage you or to, to, for you to stand with them? Who's in your world to reach for the Lord. New seasons bring new people. Fourthly, new seasons attract new opposition. This is especially true in seasons of spiritual growth and new assignments from the Lord. After seven and a half years, David makes his, his transition from Hebron to Zion or to Jerusalem. And this is what the Bible says in 2 Samuel 5, 17 to 19. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. When they heard they'd been anointed, the Philistines, who were a type of the enemies of the people of God. When Paul in, in Ephesians 6 says, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the forces, the principalities, the power of the dark age. The Philistines are an Old Testament type of our spiritual enemies. And it says, when they heard that David had been anointed king over Jerusalem or king over Israel, they went up in full force against him to search for him. But David heard about it, went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistine had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. 
So David inquired of the Lord, shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? And the Lord answered him, go, for I will surely deliver the Philistines into your hands. Well, the truth is that God delivered David. I want to tell you, when we enter into new seasons, we always attract new opposition, but we just have to stand firm. Let me say it again. But when we enter into new seasons, we will attract new opposition, but we just have to stand firm. The Lord is with us. Uh, and David overcame the Philistines the first time, and then they came against him a second time, and he overcame them a second time, and then he, he gets on with the job. But I've seen it. I've seen it through my life. I've seen it in other people's life. As Francis Frangipan put it, with every new level, there's a new devil. It's like you step up and something will come against you. This is what happens spiritually. The enemy's unlikely to roll over and do nothing if you're taking ground or stepping up. If you're stepping into a new space for God, doing something more. If God is doing something in you, there's likely to be some sort of opposition because the enemy doesn't want you to occupy that space. And in my experience, three things are especially common. Firstly, the enemy will try to distract you. The distraction tactics. You see what happens when, when spiritual opposition comes against us, it doesn't come with a spiritual label. It's normally just circumstantial. Something happens, but behind it there is a spirit and it's trying to take us off task. See, what David does when he's established king of Israel, he brings the ark. That's, that's the, the next thing that happens. 2 Samuel chapter 6, he brings the presence of God. For, for 40 years under Saul, the nation has been really without God. Their eye has not been on the Lord. And that is being restored to Israel. That is David's number one assignment as king of Israel. But the, the Philistines want to distract him from that. And certainly when he's first there, he doesn't get to it because he's trying to deal with them. And this is exactly what the enemy wants to do. And what I've learned is we have to be alert. There will be some things to attend to. But we also have to be alert to distraction and not allow ourselves to get distracted more than we need to be. To allow ourselves to stay on track. To take the approach of Nehemiah when Sambala and Tobiah came against him. He says, I'm not coming down to you. I'm on with the good work. They were trying to draw him off task. And he says, this is not my business. I've got no business meeting with you. I, I don't want to engage with you. I am on with a good work and the Lord helped him to finish. Firstly, the enemy will try to distract you. Secondly, the enemy will seek to undermine your spiritual authority. That's why I'll go after your confidence. The enemy will go after your confidence because he knows that if you function in your spiritual authority, you will do damage to the kingdom of darkness for the kingdom of light. And God invests in us new spiritual authority in new seasons. And if the enemy can rob your confidence, he'll undermine you and you won't function in the fullness of your authority. You've got to keep your eye on it. That's why you've got to hold on to your confidence. Hebrews says, do not throw away your confidence for it will be richly rewarded. I remember going through a season where I was, I was on a shift spiritually. I was shifting up in, in leadership, in spiritual leadership. And I had some, some terrible things coming against me. Some false accusations. And I remember my confidence being knocked. And, and for me, I had to go and find a prayer room where I could lift my voice, where I, where I could make some noise, where I could praise God, where I could speak loudly in tongues, where I could shout. I just had to hold my ground and keep my confidence so I could go and do what I needed to do. And as happens, the whole thing passed and, and blew over. And we moved on. The enemy will try to lead you into fear. Thirdly, thirdly that's the, the enemy's great tactic. That's why the most common command in the whole of Scripture is fear not or do not be afraid because we get afraid and the enemy will try and bring fear. David's been anointed as king. It should have been the happiest time of his life and now he goes into the stronghold. He's got to run into a safe place. Now thank God he regrouped in that place. 
But he said, he said, all those years, the Lord has delivered him from Saul, and now the Philistines have come to kill him, and he has to go to a stronghold. Fear will come in that time. Oh, my. I've just been anointed, and now I'm going to be killed by the Philistines. And he regroups, and he seeks the Lord, and the Lord speaks to him, and he steps up. We're aware that as a church, as we step into a new season, as we step into new territories, that, that it's not going to come. I'm not prophesying negatively. It's unlikely to come without any opposition. That's why I thank God for our prayer army. I thank God for our intercessors here. It's why, we have, it's why we're going to have uh, prayer and fasting. Come, a week after next, three days. We're going to pray. We need to pray before we get moving. Before we launch in Coventry North, we're, we're going to go and have a prayer meeting in that space. We're going to pray. We're going to ask God because we know that we won't move into new spaces without some opposition. We don't need to be afraid of that, but we need to be alert to that. We need to be aware of that. The Bible says, do not be unmindful of the enemy's schemes, so we have to wise up. Why did the band come and join me? And, and fifthly, and lastly, new seasons carry new potential. New seasons always carry new potential. The, the, pasture, the, the pasture to the palace was the realization of potential for David. Oh, David in Jerusalem, he established the kingdom. 600 years later, when Nehemiah comes and they rebuild the walls, it said they established the, the processes and patterns for worship as in the days of David, or as prescribed by David, the man of God. 600 years later. It's like us looking back to 1400s. And going, that, that was the day where they got it right. We need to get back to that. So significant was the kingdom under David and under Solomon as he laid a foundation for it. He establishes the kingdom. He realizes the potential of the season. But he only realizes the potential of the season in Jerusalem because he's realized the potential of the season in Bethlehem. On his knees, where no one's seen him, he's found God. Keeping his heart right through Adullam and Ziklag. Being faithful where, where there's, I've not talked about it, but all sort of, all sorts of challenges and infighting between Judah and Israel and, and David's just keeping his nose clean. He's keeping out of it. Trying to be honorable, trying to lead with diligence, trying to do what he's been commissioned to do. Realizing that potential until the other 11 tribes come and say, will you lead us too? It's the great thing about David's life is his legacy. I know last, last week we talked about his most terrible mistakes and he was not without flaws. But he realized the potential of his seasons. Today, as we come to a close, I, I want to I pray that we would realize the potential of our seasons. I want to pray in just a moment for, for all those that are, that are heading back into some sort of educational new year. Whether that's school, whether, whether you're a member of staff teaching staff or a, or a young person. Secondly, I, I want to pray for those of you that are entering into a new season. You know this is new season time for you. This, this won't be a message for everybody today, inevitably. It might be one to bank when a new season comes. But for some of you, you're in a new season right now. God is doing something in you. Or something is changing. Something is new. I want to pray for you. That God will protect you and would lead you and help you. You realize the potential of your season. And I'd like us to pray as a whole church. As we, as we come out of the summer, we step into the autumn. We step into something new that the Lord is leading us into. Of multiplication. I wonder, can we pray, church? Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, you're with us. Thank you, Lord, you lead us. Thank you, Lord, you make all things new.
Lord, I, I pray, Lord, for all those that are not in a season shift right now, but are in a steady place. I pray, will you help them to be faithful? Give them strength, give them favor. I wonder, church, if, if you're heading back to school as a young person or as a, as a teacher or, or to university or college, if you're a lecturer, if there's any sense within education, I want to pray for you today. Our primary school kids are going to be prayed for in, in CLM Kids. But if that's you, would you stand? We want to pray for you today as you head into a new year. Yeah, stand now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just open up your, your hands and your heart. Now, we ask you just, if you sat down, just have a little look around you. If there's somebody near you, just reach a hand towards them. Begin to pray for them where you are. If you know how to pray, just the, the Lord will draw your attention to somebody. Might be the person right in front of you or it might be someone who catches your eye. Let's pray for them. Begin to lift your voice where you are. Father, we thank you for these many as they step into a new season, to a new year. I pray, God, your favor upon them. We pray, God, for friendships. We pray for relationships over all of our young people. We pray, God, you would, you would connect every young person, Lord, to the, Lord, the right people around their lives. Father, I pray. I pray, God, for favor. We pray, Lord, for success over all of those that are, that are heading to university or back to university or come to university or going to a different school year. We pray for success over the people of God in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, you would be with everyone. We pray, Lord, for, for every member of staff, every teacher, every lecturer, every assistant, every teaching assistant, every member of, of university or, or, or school staff. We pray for those online. We pray, God, for strength and favor. We pray for wisdom. We pray for your protection. I pray for your protection, Lord, over every person, that they would flourish and they would stand in that space. I pray, Lord, for voice. I pray for influence. I pray for light to shine in some dark places. I pray for a grace to stand in those places, for wisdom, equip. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord, be with your people. Holy Spirit, come, cover every person. Be with them. I pray, God, as they, they step out, whether that's this week or in the weeks ahead, Lord, there wouldn't be a sense of nervousness or apprehension, but a, but a sense of confidence that you have gone ahead, that you are with them. Bless them, we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Why don't you just take your seats briefly? And then I, I just wonder if you, you might have just stood and you want to stand again because you, you know, actually, regardless of just starting a new year, actually, you're in a, a new season in a different way. Something is shifting in you. There might be people, you've, you've just got married or you're starting parenthood or, or you've, you've moved church or, or moved house or something or God is doing something in you. If you know you're in a new season right now, I'd like you to stand. I wanna pray for you too. Just stand right away. Thank you, Lord. Again, have a look around and, and reach, reach a hand towards our, our people. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the power of new seasons. We thank you, Lord, you have purpose and potential in new seasons. We pray, mighty God, for our people. We pray you would help them, help every person, every man, woman, and child, we pray, God, to navigate the new space that they are in, to navigate the new responsibility that's on their shoulders. Lord, to navigate well the, the new space that you've brought them into. 
pray, Lord, for every person that is going through something new spiritually where they just sense something is shifting on the inside, something is happening on the inside. I pray, God, would you do a mighty work? Would you do a work in the heart? I pray for preparation. I pray for a yielding of the heart in this season. I pray, God, you would do something so deep and so powerful, Lord. You would prepare them for a massive shift in the season ahead. And we pray, Lord, your protection. Lord, we know that new seasons attract new opposition. And we pray a hedge of protection over your people today. I thank you, Lord, just as you delivered David. I know, Lord, you're going to deliver every person. We pray for your protection. I pray for faith. I pray for faith when the enemy tries to bring fear. I pray, God, for discernment. I pray, Lord, our people would be on the front foot. They would, they would observe and discern that they would see things quickly and early. And the word of the Lord would be in our mouths. I pray, give us favor in these new seasons. I pray for new horizons to open up. I pray for expansion. I pray for influence. Kingdom come in Jesus' name. I wonder if you're standing, remain standing and the rest, can we stand together? And I'm aware we might have one or two visitors in the room, but I wonder if we could possibly join hands across the room because I'd like us to pray uh, into this season as a church. Over the summer, we, we've been working hard behind the scenes of a blueprint of, of how, how this might work with Coventry North. But the truth is we don't really know what we're doing. We haven't been this way before, but the Lord's leading us into something new. And it's exciting. I know God's going to do something amazing in us and through us. So, so what, if you know how to pray, join, uh, join with me and we'll stand together. The Lord would help us with those online and the next service. Father, we thank you, Lord. You're leading us into a new season. We pray, mighty God, you would do something powerful. We pray, God, for a shift in us as a church, God. We say to you, Lord, we're not doing this because we think it's a good idea. We're doing it because we think you've spoken to us. And we pray, God, you'd help us. I pray, go ahead of us. Give us favor. We pray, Lord, for new people to be added into our mix. We pray, help us as we make this journey, as we make this transition. We pray, God, you would cause us to step into new favor and success and influence and impacts. We pray, let the kingdom come. Let your will be done. We pray, God, help us to stand as one man, united in what you are bringing us into. We pray, Holy Spirit, would you join our hearts, join our hands, help us to stand together. Help us to move together. We pray for unity, incredible unity in the season ahead. Lord, as we spread out, let our, let our hearts be ever strengthened nearer. We pray in Jesus' name. We say, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in Jesus' name.